What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. We got a, a super regional to talk about after the Red Raiders took care of business uh, in their regional in Lubbock last weekend. Um, so we'll touch on those two things and then a, a couple other random things that we found interesting that came out this week. Um, but I'll shut up so we can get started. Here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, uh, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, uh, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. Um, they're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Uh, whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts uh, can help find the best mortgage solution for you. Uh, they can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. Um, they have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process uh, online, and it's easy, um, and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. Um, they can be reached at Raider at primeres.com through the website uh, at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. Uh, so get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. Hunter, how's it going? Pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Would you, uh, would you think, I know you had a lot going on with the regionals and the, and you had a lot of good info on the regional, I guess it went about how, how you expected. Yeah, it was, it was like the perfect scenario that I was kind of talking about last week. If yeah. I thought North Carolina had the best arm in the regional and we were avoiding it. And then not only that, but the best rotation was UCLA. And I thought there was a good chance they could get sent to the losers bracket because they were facing Austin love with yeah. North Carolina, which is what happened. Yeah. You know, so then we avoid, all three weekend starters for UCLA and play them in you know, their fourth game with our third and Mason Montgomery is like pitching about as good as anybody for mm. us. So um, yeah, it was perfect, uh, perfect scenario for us. And we, we took care of business and it was never really in doubt. Like, and, you know, some of these regionals that I watched some really, really good teams, you know, they were kind of absorbing some blows throughout their regional uh, besides maybe Texas, I guess, uh, we were the, we, we looked about as good as anybody. Yeah. That's something that I noticed. Uh, it just didn't seem like, I don't, I, I didn't watch every game obviously, but I, I watched most of all the tech games, but it just, there was never a moment where, you know, usually when you're watching a regional, it's like, ah, getting a little dicey here. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was almost none of those. I mean, I guess UCLA scored first. No. Yeah. Or North Carolina, one of those games. I guess the Sunday game. Um, who was that? Uh, UCLA was the yeah. Sunday game. Yeah, UCLA scored first. So I guess that's kind of, you know, that was like the, the worst moment of the weekend, I guess, where you're like, oh, crap. You know, but other than that, it was just seemed like a roll. Yeah, and I guess North Carolina was probably the tightest game. And they have, you know, that one ball that that guy hit. 
had hit the fence and came back. I mean, that could have been much closer, but That's yeah. True. Yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, I guess the biggest development was us throwing Chase Hampton first. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I, it surprised me, but it makes a lot of sense. So in, in Omaha, Omaha kind of like resets. It's like back to a four team regional and then the winners play a best of three series. But the, the key difference is, is the four team regional is not played over a one weekend. It's played over like a whole week. And so you play like every other day um, until maybe like the third game um, if you are in the losers bracket. So, but the way it sets up is, I mean, you can, you have a reliever um, like cop cops with Arkansas. He's like the best reliever in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He can like throw every game, like the last four or five innings. And with, uh, if you, by having Micah Dallas in the bullpen and sublet, I mean, if we get to Omaha, you really don't need a whole, whole lot from yeah. your starter. And it's at least one of them, because I mean, those guys can theoretically really throw like the last five or six innings almost of every game. Yeah. I mean, and I, no, sorry, that could be pretty good. That could set up pretty good for us. Yeah, and, and I, that's that was my next question is, you know, all year when you read about this tech baseball team or hear people talk about it, it's always they can hit, their starters are okay, they've had some injuries, but the bullpen is where the worries begin. And it just didn't seem that way this weekend. And maybe that's just because everything set up like it was supposed to. Um, but it just – I don't know. And it could change in the, in the supers, but it just seemed like the bullpen – did its job. Yeah, really from the, uh, we don't have a, 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 the deepest bullpen, but it really only could have hurt us, I think in the regional, you know, and we just, and it didn't come into play because like this weekend, it's just a three game series. And, you know, I think we have plenty of arms to, to throw, to pitch in a three game series. And then, like I said, in Omaha, the way it's spread out, uh, it's not going to really hurt us that bad. Yeah, I think we've got plenty. Of, yeah, I would have agreed. And I think I was kind of down on tech more so than I should have been because of our pitching and just not thinking we had enough arms. Uh, but after seeing us this weekend, I kind of I might have been wrong on that because um, if Hampton can throw, can give you some innings. I, 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 don't, I don't know what do we throw him again on Friday or do That's, we bump up? Right. Like, do we bump up Monteverde? It almost seems like, well, I don't know, I guess a regional is so different than a super regional in just a three-game series, but it's almost like it worked. Why, you know, why screw it up? But that's, yeah, there could that's be, for smarter people than me to decide. Yeah, so this kind of brings us into Stanford. It might make, might make sense or it might be kind of a, a good move to throw Hampton first because uh, then you can match up arguably, you know, our best starters against Stanford's second starter and then they don't really have a third one yeah but because their first guy isn't brandon beck he's kind of rem- similar to austin love um for north carolina just like in the sense that he uh can throw the whole game and like and is just a kind of a big dude that a big righty i was i looked at him a little bit he's like way over the top um is like throwing motion and he has a like 12, six curveball, you know, just drop straight down. That is, looks very difficult to hit. And he throws it a lot. And he throws it like, Oh, you know, early in the count, he throws it in weird counts, um, can throw it for strikes a lot. Yeah. And he's kind of concerning. I mean, he's pretty good. I mean, he might be 
you know, as good a pitcher as we, we see. Um, they've got – then the, so then their other starter, I think, will be this guy named Alex Williams, who doesn't look overpowering necessarily. He's a right-handed guy. And they don't really have a third one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who they would start in the third game. Uh, the one the one guy I did notice, though, they have a closer. His name is Zach Greck, and he is – he's got, like, submarine sidearm delivery. He he reminds me of kind of like Taylor Floyd from a tech pitcher from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Just ridiculous movement on pretty much everything he throws. It looks like he's throwing a wiffle ball. Yeah. I mean, he, he like gives me like watching him throw gives me the willies, like from my playing days. Like it just looks like someone that I would have zero chance of ever sniffing. And for, I think for right-handed guys, he's probably more difficult. And, but for lefties, he might actually be, kind of easy to hit i don't and we've got some big lefty hitters yeah cal conley and jace young um i'd be interesting you know because cody masters and uh, uh dylan carter did not play this past weekend and i think there will probably i i feel strongly they will get some at bats if he is, is pitching you know i think tadlock can maybe make some moves and i it wouldn't surprise me you know for that Gret guy he'll throw every game because if I was Stanford, you know, I would be wanting to throw him whenever, you know, to as, as much as I could against our right-handed hitters, you know, and like maybe just avoid Jace Young with him or only see him once. But so like shorter outings, but more frequent uh, yeah. for, for, for them. Then they got another guy uh, in their bullpen, like a big oak right-handed pitcher who throws hard, but they're not, they don't have, a, you know, outside of Beck, outside of their first starter. And then outside of this closer, who really concerns me, yeah. but outside of those two, it's not like this pitching gauntlet that we'll see. But they can hit. I mean, really hit. They, they it's kind of a similar tech type lineup in terms of, um, you know, like seven or eight guys can hit home runs. And you know, so there's. Uh, I was looking. You know, like, are you familiar with the concept park factor? It's I mean. Like a, context yeah. clues, i feel like i could yeah like <laughs> yeah like some some places give up more runs right, right. just depending on altitude yeah. or the the dimensions and um they have you know tech has a really high park factor you know we there's a it's easy to score runs just sometimes the wind's blowing it's turf altitude um we can hit i think which might inflate it some yeah. but stanford does not you know they're on the lower end of that and yet they've really put up a lot of numbers so like similar to tech i mean i think if you kind of equalized the numbers they probably have a more impressive offense which is really saying something because we can hit yeah uh, so it'll be a you know i think it could be depending on the wind you know might might be some high scoring uh games this weekend because yeah, i i just looked it up friday the wind's blowing 14 which isn't a lot Saturday, 14, Sunday, 14. So it's not in the direction direction though. Right. Is what's right. I guess I was just thinking, you know, it doesn't even 14 just doesn't seem like, and it's 10, 11, you know, when they'll be playing. So. uh, And then everybody will make a big deal about the heat. That's what I was Uh, going to ask. Do you think that, I mean, Friday is going to be hot, like, and especially starting at three, you know, them coming from Stanford, it just, seems like it yeah. might be a factor, you know, yeah. especially with, if they're going to throw their ace on Friday, that's, I don't know. That's, that's pretty tough conditions. That's good for us to get him out quicker. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it hurts us. I think it might be a little overblown, uh, yeah. you know, because these guys they play just all over the country, True. Yeah. up and um, but they don't they have you know in college they haven't played in, in temperatures quite like this. I don't know that we have either necessarily. Yeah. Maybe right. in past like regionals we may have, but not necessarily this year. Well, so and we, this year it's been like it's been pretty mild. Like I, I live here in Lubbock, and it's been. I mean, this is the hottest, this is by far the hottest it's been since they've started playing. It's not like we've had one of these weekends going into this week, this regional. Is it, we have, you know, we played them last year and it's, the teams are pretty similar, uh, almost identical. Uh, And we pitched Bonin and Micah Dallas close it out. And Dallas threw like four, we beat them seven to two. They threw that sidearm closer guy. We kind of touched him up a little bit. I think like, uh, Chase Young had a triple and, um, you know, we like Cole Stillwell might have hit one to the wall against him, but they, you know, their lineup was the same. But, you know, Bryce Bonin was really good. You yeah. know, that, that was kind of a tough, tough matchup for them. Yeah. They had a guy, though, Tim, maybe their best player, Tim Tawa, and he absolutely smoked a, like 98 miles an hour from Bryce Bonin, hit a two run bomb. Yeah. Um, but you know, otherwise, we kind of handled, handled them and was that here? they were good last year. Was that here? Do what? Was, was that it was a- at uh, it was in uh, Round Rock. Oh, okay, okay. At the minor league park. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, most intriguing will be who we throw on Friday night. I think you know if we can get to game three, there we we've got a good chance. Yeah. Just because I I think they will probably I don't know who they start. They'll probably be pretty light on pitching, and if we have set it up to where we're throwing Mason Montgomery again, we'll have a, we'll be a considerable favorite, I would think in that game, but yeah. the, but Friday night that we might even be the underdog depending on who we throw. Well, and I guess that's what I was going to ask too. You know, if we're going to be the underdog on Friday, be, no matter who we throw, like it almost seems like it would make sense to, to run out the same order we did last week, because there's almost no advantage of throwing, you know, the best guy, if it's still yeah. not going to be better than Stanford's guy. Yeah. I guess you, and just unless you, you don't want to lose two and not have, not have thrown Montgomery. Yeah. I, I do. I, I do see that logic. Cause then if you, you, you take a little gamble, if you, you win on Friday, if they've burned back and you've won and you've thrown Hampton and you've thrown, you know, sublet yeah. and doubt, um, but not enough to where, to where at least one of them can come back yeah. Saturday. Then you, you like they're in pretty big trouble, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, just thinking through it, that that's probably the way they go. If I were just to to guess, because I, I don't know, that just makes sense to me. It just when they and Hampton, it's not like you know Hampton is no slouch. I no, mean, he yeah, he's, he, big, he's a big old dude. Yeah. He throws hard. I mean, he's like he had a really really good you know like high school select ball career he's not yeah. like just some random guy i mean he's no, probably yeah. the equivalent of you know the football equivalent of like a four or five star yeah type prospect yeah yeah no that's yeah and i, and I guess you know, that's something that you forget when you you talk about him just because it doesn't seem like we've heard his name very often this year so it just kind of goes under the radar a little bit um but do you think this will get to three is that what you're kind of expecting if I, yeah, if I mean, gun to my head, I would say they win. <laughs> I don't know. We're, I wouldn't, it's hard to pick against us, but um, I would 
I think it'll go three. Yeah. But I think we win. I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll win, but I mean, we could very easily lose. The, the, the Stanford is good. They've, yeah. I think they've lost one series all year mm-hmm. and they beat, you know, they took two or three from uh, UCLA, took two or three at Oregon. They took two or three from Arizona. Yeah. They beat UC Irvine like four or five out of six times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they lost a, a series at Cal. Was their only series lost? So, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's close. I mean, this is the eight nine matchup, so it's yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be close. Yeah, and you know we've we have had a weird. I mean, it's been uncanny how many Friday nights we've lost and yeah. won the series. Yeah, so maybe, you know, it won't be. I don't think it'll be like panic mode if we lose no. Friday. No, and, and that that's actually a really good point. I uh, I just kind of forgotten that throughout the year, but it did seem like every big series. <laughs> they blow Friday night, usually close, maybe extra innings, and you would think that it would kind of rattle them, and then they'd come back and play really well the last two. So, and we, and they like t- another thing, you know, like Tadlock. So he does the Chase Hampton move, which turns out to be looks genius at this yeah. point. Yeah, uh, and then he, you know, Kurt Wilson has been hurt. We kind of talked about him last week, like maybe he could be someone that comes back. You know, like Tadlock puts him in center field and he is the tournament MVP. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we got, you know, we've got some of these guys that like Romback and Wilson, their number, like if some Stanford person is looking at their numbers, they're not going to be like in fear of those guys. But it's kind of the same with Chase Hampton. I mean, those are like four and five star type guys who yeah. are kind of swinging, swinging the bat well right now. Yeah. And, I think they're probably a little better than their numbers and would indicate and them coming on has kind of, it's made us look like a kind of a vintage tech lineup again. We're like, you know, six, seven, eight guys can hit it out of the park. Yeah. And that was something that, I mean, the announcers kept saying that this weekend, but just watching, you could see it. I mean, it was, it's just never a break. And that's kind of become, I feel like a signature of Tadlock teams where, you have like eight guys that you can't, that you just got to be on your toes. Like you're not going to, it's not going to be an easy at bat. And, and like you said, this is just rounding into another one of those, but uh, anything else? You just look I think so on baseball. I mean, other, other than that, um, you know, we kind of want NC state to win against Arkansas yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Cause, be huge. Cause like we going back to the regional topic, how the first game is just, so important if you don't you lose the first game you got to win four straight or maybe even right yeah. one two yeah you gotta win four straight yeah. yeah and in omaha that's even more of a task and so uh it's you know if we don't have to play arkansas game one yeah that would be you know, really significant yes i would def- i would definitely agree with that uh, okay so you know another thing that you sent in our um Red Raider Sports Group text was um, the ratings for the football, the TV ratings for football season the past two years. And, you know, we just kind of looked at them and had a a bunch of questions and we found it interesting. So we were just going to talk through that. So I'll go ahead and let you get started. What did you find? What were some of the questions that you had just looking at those numbers? Yeah, so it was 2019 and 2020 uh, average viewer uh, per TV, you know, on TV per game. Uh, and Tech was ninth out of 10th, you know, only ahead of Kansas in average viewer, 1.03 million per game. Um, and then take out te- the Texas and OU games. Uh, we were still second to last 
uh, and just much farther, you know, like behind TCU, Iowa State, um, Kansas State, Baylor. And I, I don't know if I'm necessarily surprised by that, but comparing it to the 2020 numbers, uh, we were made like this huge jump and like we're pretty much, you know, we're ahead of TCU, we're ahead of Baylor, we're on par with Kansas State. Uh, even taking, even when you look at the non-Texas OU games, and I just, I don't really know, I don't quite understand the, the jump. You know, I don't know why we were so down in 2019, why we were so up in 2020. Uh, and But also, you know, you kind of have to pick through these uh, to some extent because Iowa State plays, you know, like a, Oh, BCS bowl and they have like 7 million people watch they have they play in the big 12 championship they have 4 million um and so like if you kind of normalize the numbers somewhat tech is right there with pretty much everyone not named texas who you and oklahoma state and we've been just so down for so so long it just kind of shows me that if we have a seven and five or eight and four season we'll probably be you know third most watched team in the big 12 but anyways, I, I just didn't understand the 2019 numbers yeah, it's at a, all. It's especially weird because 2020, just with COVID and everything, I mean, sports viewership was down everywhere. Um, and so it's just weird that <laughs> Texas Tech's grew so much when most were down. I didn't even think about that till you were just talking. You know, and before we came on, I, I threw out a few theories that probably – don't mean anything, but I know that like just normal people were pretty underwhelmed, like people who aren't plugged in really to the, to tech football and the ins and outs of everything. They were pretty underwhelmed by the Wells hire, um, you know, and so maybe got off to a slow start in 2019, but then like you said, it's not like tech did anything in 2019 to boost the viewership for 2020. So it's just, and I don't know. It's just, just a, maybe this will help show the increase because it's so 2019 non Texas, non OU. We had 516,000 viewers per game. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, that is like increase. It's, it, the number is, is high because 1.7 million watched the Arizona game. Remember, that was early in the year. Yeah. It was like the late, late night game. So probably the only game on at that time. So 516 for seven games with one being that 1.7, which was huge. Yeah. So then you look at last year, we don't have any non-conference games that are being accounted for here. It doesn't account for the ESPN Plus game. Yeah. And we went from 516 to 981. So I mean, literally, yeah, it's like almost a 100% increase. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it's weird. Yeah, that is weird. But I, I just keep trying to rack my brain and, and think of reasons why. I just... Is, it's got to be something to do with time slots, network. Yeah. You know, maybe we just did. We maybe we probably, have, I think we had more night games. Um, you know, whoever we were, whatever time slot, you know, we were competing. Maybe there wasn't Ohio State and Michigan playing or, or, or Texas and Oklahoma State or something. I, it, that's got to be the explanation. Yeah. Because I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's just like all these eyeballs itching to tune into tech football last yeah. year compared to the year before. Yeah, that that's probably true. I was just, you know, looking at the schedule of, you know, of 2019 compared to, to 2020, just trying to, to look at start times and, and things like that. And, and there's not, 
there's just not a huge variance. I do think there might be something to the, um, you know, what network they're on because I, I do know we had, we've had a few, uh, FS two games, which like nobody really has. And so it's hard to watch those. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. You know, now that I look in 2019, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, 11 a.m. starts in 20. Well, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, and then let's see, in 2020, I don't know. I mean, I should remember, but I don't. Let's see. Okay. We also played, uh, you know, 2019, we played UT um, last game of the year. I don't think it meant a whole lot to either team. No, and it, it might have been an 11 a.m. start. Maybe. Was. Yeah, it was. And so that, probably but that doesn't hurt our you know that those two numbers i was quoting the 500 up increase to 981 doesn't consider the ut game either year well Um, this case in 2020 there there are only two 11 a.m games and one of them was mm -hmm. the thought was the kansas game that was on fs2 (laughs) but but i I also thought that 11 a.m games get picked up because more people watch them People aren't like people aren't doing things, you know, Saturday I night. Do, I do know conference. Fox has like Fox's big window is the 11 a.m. game. Like it's not always us, but I know I do know like they picked that window. They wanted the 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 marquee matchup to be 11 a.m. So I don't you're right. I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. But I but I also think you're right in the sense that like if they could just win, have a good season. Yeah, <laughs> I think that says a lot, too how much more growth that could happen. There would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, last year, Iowa state, non-Texas, non-OU, they had 1.2 million per game and they're in the hunt. You know, they're in the big 12 championship race. They had a 7 million game, you know, versus Oregon. Um, it, it's so if just switch that with tech, they you know, like, if we had a 7 million game with Oregon and we were in a, a big 12 title race, we yeah. would be like, Two and a half million. <laughs> it wouldn't be yeah. one point two. Yeah, no, you're yeah, you're right about that. So yeah, that that is interesting. Um, I usually kind of find the whole ratings talk to be kind of annoying because it's usually politically driven. But this type of like just that huge increase and wondering why it, that that part is is pretty interesting to me and just trying to figure it out because it will be it'll be interesting to compare it to this year. You know, yeah, a non-COVID season you know, there, there are, you know, people thinking that Wells is on the hot seat, tuning in to see what happens. A lot of people think we have a good roster that might result in wins. Who knows? Um, But yeah, it'll just be interesting to compare the three. I think the U of H game will probably be a big TV draw. I think, isn't it six o'clock, right? Uh, Yeah. 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 The first three games are at night. If I remember right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, And then there was one more thing we wanted to get to before we got out of here was, um, the athletic came out with was it, uh, it was like a survey of coaches would you call it that it was just some quotes from a, a lot of coaches yeah upset just about how how they're going to handle the roster number and signing day with the with the way the, the cycle got messed up last year basically is that yeah. a good way to explain it yeah and so or what uh, maybe the most interesting comments were from Stanford's coach, David Shaw. Right. That he has and they have zero, one guy in the trans or zero. Well, this has none. So yeah, he's see, either I, got, 
I thought it was none. And then the, the graph that Max Olson put up says one, but either way, okay. it doesn't. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. He has none in the portal right now. So probably one total that left earlier. Oh, okay. So he, he, yeah, he's only lost one guy and he's saying, uh, you know, he's basically complaining saying that after spring, your entire team can quote unquote, get dismantled. Yeah. Uh, you can have 10, you can have 10 guys walk off your team. And then you, because of the, uh, initial counter limits, you know, you can only add 25 guys per class. You're not able to replace those 10 guys. Uh, if you're not, if you haven't planned for it, you know, if you don't have the spots available. Right. Uh, and so then like Pitt's coach, Pat Narduzzi, he's like, you're going to have teams going through the season with 70 scholarship guys. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't, he quote unquote, doesn't think that's fair. Right. Uh, and so for me, you know, if you were a, just a college football fan who wanted to see, the best product on the, you know, the best players play the best players. I think you would be, you would agree with all these coaches and you'd say, yeah, get rid of the initial counter rule. Like let teams just churn and replace, you know, you could have a guy, you could have a team sign 20 high school guys, bring in 20 transfers in one class because maybe they had, maybe it's Alabama and they had 15 underclassmen go pro. They had 10 seniors graduate. They had, 15 guys that couldn't get on the field leave and so that's you know the numbers worked out and that would be great for the best teams to get the best players and put the best teams on the field but from like in my opinion from tech's perspective the heart that 25 cap it might hurt us but I don't think it hurts us as much as it can hurt other teams you know like LSU this year had like 50, 55 guys on scholarship at one right. point yeah. because they just lost so many people uh, to the draft and or opt outs or uh, just busts in general. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I get the like wanting the product to be great argument, but I don't, you know, to me, it should be, it's almost like a part of recruiting. Like if you, if you are having ability, if some staff has the ability to identify guys who have a really high chance of playing four years, you know, going through matriculating from freshman to senior and leaving and, and not having a lot of turnover to me, they should be rewarded or at least it's not like, you know, at least not punished because they're having these guys stay Uh, other teams. Like, Oh, I guarantee, you know, the Ole Misses, the Mississippi States, the Tennessee's of the world, I mean, they're just going to sign 40 guys a class. They're going to, they're going to tr- cut half their players. <laughs> uh, half the freshmen are going to be gone every year, you yeah. know, just, just replace them. And like, I don't, like, why should they be able to do that? You know, why, why encourage or reward a team for not being able to sign guys who can play. Right. And so basically, and I, sorry, basically a guy who, who might choose tech or, or just a guy who is kind of borderline, you know, I don't know, some, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas Tech type guy would be like, well, I might as well go to Ole Miss. They've got a spot for me, you know. But I guess that's what you're saying is it would encourage those borderline guys to go to these, you know, bigger schools or whatever in quotes, and and yet they'll get processed in a year or two and have to transfer to a school like, you know, Tech, Oklahoma State eventually anyway. So it's just – it's not a very good system to just let people sign as many as they want. Right. And I, and I've, you know, f- full disclosure, I am bi- we're, I'm biased on this because to, as a tech fan, 
I think the 25 cap makes there's more parity that way. Yeah. And I want there to be that 25 cap. I don't want the schools who recruit at a really high level to have unlimited spots. Right. It's not good for us. It's, you know, it, it definitely even, it's just one, it's a, it's a tiny, not a tiny really, but it's a, it's a, a way that we could gain an advantage big time over everyone. If we're signing guys who aren't leaving and we're, you know, we're get our, you know, you have 25 guys that you can add. If the 25 guys we're adding are all, not all, but a high rate are contributing. We're, and, and it doesn't really matter how good a recruiting class as other uh, Mississippi can sign. If only eight of them play or if right. only eight of them stick around. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I could it's, see. Or I was, it's bad for the, the athlete too. You know, if, if they're, I don't want to say tricked, but if they're talked into signing somewhere that they're kind of a borderline anyway, but it's just because, you know, they'd rather go there. It sounds better to go there and then they're never going to play and end up transferring somewhere else. Like it's just, it's just a, a bump in the road that's unnecessary for the athlete when they probably were never really going to play there anyway. Yeah. And to me, there, there's got to be a way to, I suggested it on the site. Like if you have, you keep the 25 signing uh, initial counters, like that's your, your max with the exception of if you have a graduate transfer leave, if you have a guy that graduates from, you know, whether it's two and a half years, Alan Bowman or, or four years, and then they transfer and leave somewhere else, you get a free grad transfer to replace them. Mm, yeah. So if you had five grad transfers leave, you could take five grad transfers or 10, you know, 30 max, but five would have to be grad transfers. Yeah. So, yeah. It gives you a chance. Yeah. You can replace any grad transfers you have. You can replace them. Right. For free. Yeah, I do like, I do like that idea. And it, and it does encourage the whole graduation element. Exactly. If you want to leave. That's fine. But let's, let's finish up this degree. Um, I also wonder about some, it may have been you who mentioned in our text about basically having, you can sign this many players over two years. And you yeah, so like, balance that. So that was the you're right. That was the Big 12's proposal. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So the Big 12 and the MAC submitted a proposal where you can just—it's still a 25 hard cap, but it's over two years. So you could, you know, you could do 50 one year and zero the next, but right. yeah. uh, or 30 and 20. Um, yeah, that to me, that, you know, giving a little more flexibility makes sense. I yeah. think could help with the problems these coaches are complaining about right not changing yeah. the overall numbers but just how you can make those numbers work yeah it's, it's like tech had to have columbia cooler tyree wilson those guys had to walk on last fall you know and so it's it's I guess you, it would avoid that process you could say okay well we'll take these guys and we'll just take three less next year exactly yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting discussion. And I don't know, you know, I, I just don't know what, because you're right, I, it is important to have a number on it. It is important to to relegate or to, sorry, to, to, to just have rules and, and regulations over that just so the rich don't get richer, which is already kind of a problem um, in college football. But it's, I guess, I could also see it easily becoming like, well, we'll add these rules. We'll add these, this flexibility. And it still <laughs> makes the rich get richer and makes parity worse. Like it seems like a very fine line to walk trying to, to figure out the best use of those numbers to help everybody out. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know how long the 25 counter thing has been a, a rule. It seems like a while now and it, yeah. it had, 
it hasn't hurt. I mean, it's the same teams every year that are winning. So it's not like it's just been this crazy thing bringing everyone down. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's probably the the, the ultimate point is it really doesn't matter. <laughs> the good teams are going to be good. They're going to figure it out anyway. But it's de- it's definitely an interesting discussion, especially for a school like Tech who who has really played with the numbers, taking in all you know so many transfers and and saving spots for transfers. Um, it, it just I just imagine you know in the in the coaching office there's just this big board of the scholarship numbers that they're having to you know, well, this guy left, so we got here. Like, they're just having to even it out at, at all times. Yep. And then you have uh, Bryson Williams on campus. I don't know if he's still on campus, but he has been. The UTEP big guy. Yeah. And I know so you're, I, you're a fan of his. Yeah, definitely. Um, I Just for fun, plugged in, like, a, a simulation type uh, of him in our lineup and then kind of estimated – how much each guy would play, but our average. So Bryson's 23, you know, Marcus just turned 24. You know, we've got multiple four or five year guys uh, based on the numbers that I ran are per minute played. The average age would be 21.68, so 21.7, almost 22 years old. And the average height would be right at 79 inches, mm-hmm. which is six, six. So we, you know, that, I like the sound of that. We'd have this 22-year-old 6'6 team that's going to be what we are rolling out there. Yeah, that that is that is hard. And it's not like what we've had in the past where we've had – it seems like we've had similar size but less experienced and less – Less skill. Yeah, offensively capable is, is what I was about to say. So, yeah, that, that definitely changes the dynamic because I've seen some people worried about the lack of a true point guard. But – there's so much offensive skill on this team that it don't like, it's almost like we don't have a point guard, but at the same time, there's also like six. Yeah. And, and Malik Wilson is a point guard. Yeah. I mean, he can play point guard. Yeah. And I mean, like we've talked about McCullough, what, like that's what he was out of high school. That, yeah. That's what he was recruited as. And, and Davion Warren, Warren can play point guard too. Right. So, so I guess that, that's not as big of a, as a, of a worry, especially we, we don't really know exactly what the offense is going to look like, but true. I mean, you, you, you'd have several guys with the skill to initiate the offense to me at least. Right. But, but yeah, that Bryson Williams would be a big get because he's a guy that can shoot. Right. I get all these transfers confused, but he's, he make, he's a shot maker. You know, yeah. he can, he's a big guy that can put it in the basket. Well, that 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 seems to be the point of a lot of a lot of basketball. So sign yep. me up. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that was some good stuff. You got anything else? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, uh, we will see you guys soon. Talk to y'all later.